0: Lesson sixty three of the history of London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ruth Golding. The history of London by Walter Besant. Lesson sixty three London, Greater London. It has been a great misfortune for London that when its walls ceased to be the true boundary of the town, and when the people began to spread in all directions outside the walls, No statesman arose with vision clear enough to perceive that the old system must be enlarged or abolished, that the city must cease to mean the city of the Edwards, and must include these new suburbs, from Richmond on the west to Poplar on the east, and from Hampstead on the north to Balham on the south. It is true that something was done. There are the wards of Bridge Without, which is Southwark, and of Farringdon Without. There should have been provision for the creation of new wards whenever the growth of a suburb warranted its addition. That, however, has not been done. The old London remains as it was, and as we now see it, surrounded by another and an immense city or aggregate of cities all placed under the rule of a council. This was done by the Act of 1888, which created a county, whose boundaries were the same as those of the former Metropolitan Board of Works. In other words, it embraces all the suburbs of London properly so called. This county extends from Putney and Hammersmith on the west to Plumstead on the east. On the north are Hampstead and Highgate, on the south are Tooting, Streatham, Lewisham and Eltham. There are 138 councillors of whom nineteen are aldermen and one a chairman. The conservative tendency of our people is shown in their retention of the old division of aldermen. It is once more kings, lords, and commons. But the functions of the aldermen do not differ from those of the councillor. The councillors are elected by the ratepayers for three years, the aldermen for six, but there is a rule as to retiring by rotation. THE POWERS OF THE COUNTY COUNCIL ARE ENORMOUS. IT REGULATES THE BUILDING OF HOUSES AND STREETS, THE DRAINAGE, PLACES OF AMUSEMENT. IT CAN CLOSE STREETS AND PULL DOWN HOUSES. IT ADMINISTERS AND MAKES REGULATIONS CONCERNING PARKS, BRIDGES, TUNNELS, SUBWAYS, DAIRIES, CATTLE DISEASES, EXPLOSIVES, LUNATIC ASYLUMS, REFORMATORY SCHOOLS, weights AND MEASURES it grants licences for music and dancing, it carries on, in fact, the whole administration of the greatest city in the world, and in some respects the best-managed city. In order to carry out these works, the Council expend about £600,000 a year. It has a debt of £30 million, against which are various assets, so that the real debt is no more than £18 million. THE RATING OUTSIDE THE CITY WAS LAST YEAR TWELVE AND A HALF PENCE IN THE POUND. THE FIRST CHAIRMAN WAS LORD ROSEBURY. HE HAS BEEN SUCCEEDED BY SIR JOHN LUBBOCK AND MR. JOHN HUTTON. THE LIST OF COUNTY councillors CONTAINS MEN OF EVERY RANK AND EVERY OPINION. DUKES, EARLS, AND BARONS SIT UPON THE COUNCIL BESIDE PLAIN WORKING MEN, AN EXCELLENT PROMISE FOR THE FUTURE. Such is the Government of London. Within the city, what was intended to be democratic has become oligarchic. The election by the whole people has become the election by 8,000 only. Without the city, a great democratic parliament attracts men whose historic names and titles belong to the aristocracy. In the London County Council, The peers may, if they are elected, sit beside the commons. Lastly, what is the chief lesson for you to learn out of this history? It is short, and may be summed up in a few sentences. 1. Consider how your liberties have grown silently and steadily out of the original free institutions of your Saxon ancestors. They have grown as the trunk, the tree, the leaves, the flower, the fruit, grow from the single seed. The folk-mote, the law-worthiness of every man, the absence of any overlord but the king, have kept London always free and ready for every expansion of her liberties. Respect, therefore, the ancient things which have made the city and the country what it is. Trust that the further natural growth of the old tree, still vigorous, will be safer for us than to cut it down and plant a sapling, which may prove a poison tree. And with the old institutions, respect the old places. Never, if you can help it, suffer an old monument to be pulled down and destroyed. Keep before your eyes the things which remind you of the past. When you look on London Stone, remember that Henry of London Stone was one of the first mayors. When you go up College Hill, remember Whittington, who gave it that name. When you pass the Royal Exchange, think of Gresham. When you go up Walbrook, remember the stream beneath your feet, the Roman fortress on your right, and the British town on your left. London is crammed full of associations for those who read and know and think. You will be better citizens of the present for knowing about the citizens of the past. 2. The next lesson is your duty to your country. What does it mean, the right of the folk-mote? The moat has now become a house of commons, a county council, a school board. You have the same rights that your ancestor had. He was jealous over them. He fought to the death to preserve them and to strengthen them. Be as jealous, for they are far more important to you than ever they were to him. You have a hundred times as much to defend. You have dangers which he did not know or fear. Show your jealousy by exercising your right as the most sacred duty you have to fulfil. Your vote is an inheritance and a trust. You have inherited it direct from the Angles and the Jutes. As you exercise that vote, so it will be ill or well with you and your children. Be very jealous of the man you put in power. Learn to distinguish the man who wants place from the man who wants justice. Vote only for the right man, and do your best to find out the right man. It is difficult at all times. You may make it less difficult by sending to the various parliaments of the country a man you know, who has lived among you, whose life, whose private character, whose previous record you know, instead of the stranger who comes to court your vote. Above all things, vote always, and let the first duty in your mind Always be to protect your rights and your liberties. These are the two lessons that this book should teach you the respect that is due to the past, and the duty that is owed to the present. End of lesson sixty three. Recording by Ruth Golding.